Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you uh, for being here. We are in our second weekend of a, a series uh, called Foundations. And the reasoning behind um, this series of messages was we started the year off with looking at what did we need to detox from or what did we need to lose. And okay, let's say we did that. Let's say that we were, you know, got some bad habits out of our life. Now we need to build back in some things that are foundational, some things that will help us uh, build a stronger faith or get our soul closer to God. And so last week we looked at worship and, you know, what we worship, how we worship, who we worship. Uh, we are a, a people, you know, we, we worship anything, you know, we're, and hopefully that is pointed in the correct direction towards, towards God. And, you know, so today we're going to be looking at the concept of, of community and the idea of what is so important about community and you know, why is it a foundational uh, doctrine of us as a people of faith. And so let, let's start here. In the beginning, and that's in the Bible, um, in Genesis 1, verse 26, it says this. God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. That they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God, in the, in the Hebrew here, the name is Elohim, which is plural. And it is also, a, if God is in his essence community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he creates within us in his image. We, therefore, then, are desiring community at all times. It just a, comes with the plan. It just comes with us. So we will find community in some form in one way or the other. And when we are lacking community, we, we get lonely and depressed and anxious. So we find community in all sorts of things. We'll find community in, in uh, our job. We'll find community in uh, sports. There will be uh, a lot of community happening today with the, the Super Bowl. And, and just as an aside... Um, I don't like either team. <laughs> so, every once again, you have those, those kind of Super Bowls where you're like, eh. So, we're all rooting for Usher, right? <laughs> that's, our, that's, where, that's where we're going to invest, and hopefully they'll lose both. I don't know. It's one of those Super Bowls for all of us. Um, one day there will be a Vikings-Bengals... And then at the fourth quarter, Jesus will return. <laughs> right? That'll be, that'll be the sign of the end times. Um, okay, that's the aside. So we are built in community, and God makes us in his image, and so we crave it, and it just depends on where are we going to find it. And so what does community look like biblically? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
uh, it says this, he will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's that word fellowship, and we don't use that in, in our day-to-day life. The churchy word, hey, come, let us fellowship together. Your church might have a fellowship hall. Uh, this is where we do fellowship, in this space, and nowhere else, and just in this fellowship hall. And so what this means, and the original language of this is it's common. It's called koinonia is the Greek word, and it's community. It's where we get the word common and community. It's where we get the word for communion. It's everywhere in your New Testament. In fact, the word church is not in your New Testament. The word ecclesia is in your New Testament, and that just means assembly. The church is the assembly of the saints. It's the assembly of those who are following after God. So biblically, it's everywhere. Um, especially in the early church. And it's all throughout the book of Acts. Um, There's a a picture of the early church in Acts chapter 2. You can just leave this verse up for a while. And this is a, 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 the context of this is an early church that is persecuted, that is being chased after. You know, Jesus, we're in chapter 2, so we just had Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit comes and all of a sudden, people are speaking in different languages and communicating with each other. And Peter preaches this big sermon, and thousands come to Christ. Then they got to decide, well, what are we going to be or who are we? You know, our core identity was following Jesus and listening to him. Now what? Now, now what do we do? So here's what was really important to them is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What's the stop there? What is that? The early church wouldn't have, had a, wouldn't have had a Bible. So this is the apostles gathering around saying, you remember when Jesus had us on that boat and everybody was scared? What was he trying to teach us there? Or do you remember? Or Matthew, you, you wrote that down and the, when we were on that mount, mountainside and Jesus was preaching and he was talking, he taught us how to pray. Can you talk about that again and tell everybody else? That's being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, the church goes heavy on that. We center our weeks and and our services around teaching you Scripture and teaching you what the apostles wrote about Jesus. And that's a good thing. Hopefully, those are, you know, applicable and we're learning and we're growing. And then, but the next part, we don't do as well on. And to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And prayer is what we're going to be discussing next weekend. But the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. So I wanted to really take a deep dive into what are we talking about here? Because in verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by these apostles. People are getting healed. People are getting rescued. All the believers were together and they held everything in common. There's that word again. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke, they, every, sorry, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. 
And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what do we share in common? Let's go back to verse 43. I'm sorry, 44. (laughs) How do we know? How do we know what we share in common? If... As a church, you know, and as people of faith, if the time that we give to this expression of our faith is in this moment and in this hour, and we just see the back of somebody's head, how do you know what you hold in common? How do you know, you know, what struggles you're going through or what things you're going through or what, uh, how your kids are doing? If we are just, you know, coming in, doing the, the, the church thing and then exiting as quickly as possible. So I want to have a little visual aid here. And we'll start, let's see. It'll be fun. Not going to hit anybody with it. Let's start over here. Uh, who here uh, works in a hospital? Okay. Here you go. Look, you hold this in common. Um, all right, who? Let's see. See, I know this stuff about you guys. <laughs> Let's go this way. Who here is retired? Eric? Julie? Jake? Go for it, Jake. I'm going to hit you in the head. Wee. Got another retiree over here? Look at that. People operating the camera are loving me right now. There you go. Thank you. I'm going to stay back here. Um, let's see. Oh. We have another hospital and a retired person sitting next to each other. That's an easy one. I'm going to pass that to Dave, too. Dave's that guy. Watch your heads. That's just what's funny. Okay, the services are funny. Um, Where are the babies in the 11? No babies in the 11. Is there one back there? All right, we got a baby. Okay. We'll virtually pass this to you. I'm already up here. Oh, we got another baby. There's the babies. Okay, so baby, baby. What about young, what about elementary kids? How old is your little guy? Almost five. There you go. Okay, so why am I doing this? We have elementary kids. Hey, Samuel. Hi. That's Samuel. He's awesome. Well, middle schoolers. Oh, this is the middle school service. We're hardly any in the other one. You guys like to sleep. What middle school do you go to? Bellamaris? How about you, buddy? Superior? You're in Superior, aren't you? Look at that. Take the rope. <laughs> 
What's the point? Because I know in the room, well, I mean, we got middle schoolers back there as well. Youth group kids, babies, college students. That's what's kind of remarkable about the, this church is how multi-generational we are. Not a kind of a homogenous group of similar age and similar demographics. We have people from all walks of life uh, in here. This is a foundation because we need each other. Let's say as an example, the transition for middle school girls is really hard. Seventh grade girls, oof, they can be really mean to each other. I'm sure none of you have gone through that. What if there's somebody a little further along the way that you knew that their kid went through that and now your kid's going through that and you can go to them and say, how did you navigate that? There's power in community. Or let's just say you know somebody in the room has lost somebody. Maybe lost a spouse. And you're walking that path now. Power in our community. You know, the grief ministry that Julie is running, there's power and broken, broken hearts in that room on Thursday nights. See, the church is about the apostles' teaching, but it's also about together. And a few years ago, when, when we you know, were told not to gather, not to assemble, all, every church in the world, hopefully, went online. And some are, we're still doing it, and so it's a wonderful thing. But there's a major difference between watching the church and being the church. We can watch all types of church services. We can watch all types of church sermons, and that's fun. I know I've learned a lot. I kind of, one of my favorite things to do is watch uh, you know, other sermons and learn how people teach and preach, and it's a really cool thing. But it's not my assembly. The assembly is so important because it's our core identity in the name of God, and it's in the image of God that we are created. Faith alone or in isolation can be very shallow. Because there's no challenges to it. There's nothing to make it go in depth. So together when we come to, to hear the word of God or sing or join a Bible study or join in fellowship at the Galentine's event or, or the men's Bible studies that we have. There's The purpose behind that is, yes, to get the apostles' teaching, but there also is power in just getting to know one another. But we're really busy. I did this in the last service. I wonder if it will be true in this one. Um, who here currently has a target order to be picked up following this service? We have, I see a lot of this. Nobody, nobody's doing this. Okay, there's a lot of these. It's efficient. We have somewhere we need to be. There's wings need to be made today. Chili needs to get on the pot. We got a lot to do. I don't have time for assembly. I don't have time for fellowship. Now go back to verse 42 for me. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of commitment. 
And you will not find more time. You will just have to do one less thing. So if we've detoxed from some things, we need to add in fellowship. We need to add in spending time long enough in the lobby or maybe saying to somebody, hi, I I noticed our kids might be the same age. Where do they go to school? And what's funny is I know a lot of your similarities uh, just because I know many of you and there's some I don't know. But one of my favorite stories is I knew we went through a bit of a baby boom in 2016. Yeah. And about three months, we had, I think, 10 kids born in the church. Um, something happened. I don't know what, in that, what, something in 2015 occurred. Everybody started having babies. And there was an OB that went to the 830 service all the time. I don't know, back then we probably only had one or two. Um, so we went to the first service. And all of these babies were starting to come to the second service because moms were tired, you know? And then all of a sudden, the OB started coming to the second service then and saw all these babies that she just delivered. And it was a really cool thing of, it was a little awkward. You know, when you see your OB outside of the office, you're like, oh, hi. Um, But it was a really cool thing of, now, not only did she hold this child and hand this child to the mother, Now she gets to help raise this child in the church. To be there the the first moments and now in the spiritual development of these kids, it's a really beautiful thing. And all of these connection points occur within the the chairs that you're sitting in, but also within the the places that you exist in the community. Maybe at Ascension, maybe at Cirrus, maybe at at, different places that you work, maybe at your schools. Because we need each other. Because if we're isolated and alone and with a shallow faith, we can get picked off so easily. I want you to think what these apostles were going through at this time. They just saw their Messiah crucified. And they saw him resurrected. But if they were willing to do that to Jesus, who's Peter? If they're willing to do this to a prominent rabbi with thousands of followers, who is Matthew? They already hate him. So when they gather together, this is a church in persecution, and it, also, it will very soon become a scattered church. It'll go to Asia, it'll go to Italy, it'll go to Greece, it'll go to Turkey. It'll go all throughout. Not because one of them said, hey, you know what, I really want to visit Ephesus. It was more of, if we stay here, we die. A few stayed back, James, but most fled. And in that persecution, the church blew up. Because here's why. The church grows very well when it is in persecution. You ever wondered why that is? And this is a biblical term, and I've used it before. Um, the church grows, and parents will know, where there's a lot of fertilizer. Why is that? Where there's a lot of fertilizer in lives, where there's a lot of persecution, the church seems to grow quite rapidly. Is because if people are making a commitment to Jesus, they really need Jesus. 
It's a core identity of who they are. For a lot of us, especially in the West, church and assembly is an add-on. So when it's just something we add on to our life, hey, we should probably start. It'd be good, just like a gym membership. It's there. We add it on. Well, when things are inconvenient or I'm really busy, I can take it off. But when you are in persecution or in a lot of fertilizer, there's no taking it off. This is a part of who I am. I have to have Jesus. I need Jesus. I am in desperate need of my people. Because I can't do this alone. I just got this diagnosis. I just lost my husband. I need my people. And here's Jesus even gives us this example. He had thousands of followers. He had 12 disciples, and he had three really close friends that would go to war with him. Who are your three? Who are your 12? And this is harder. I think this is harder for guys. So I'm going to speak to the guys in the room. Who are your three, and who are your 12? Because when we came out of all the lockdown stuff, we started to back up our women's ministries, and the women's ministries exploded. Because you needed your people. We started to back up the men's ministries. We're getting there. It took quite a bit longer. Because we've convinced ourselves we can do this alone. A lot of guys don't have very many close friends. Not even just inside the church, outside the church. But it's part of who we are. If we're made in the image of God, that means there's this giant hole. I put this as a foundational principle because if the early church decided this was important, then I think this is important to us as well. My challenge to you today is to find your people. Find those three and find those 12 or find those people that know you actually and don't just say, I'll pray for you, and then they don't. Or I'll pray for you is my way to getting you to stop telling me about your ailment. Such an important thing. Common, commonality, community, communion. And a common table. We're going to share together in communion today. And I just put out a giant tripping hazard. <laughs> Where is the start of it? Okay, let's, uh, let's start wrapping it up. Mark, can you help me with this? Thank you. Oh, it went through the camera. I'm going to move that. Sorry, whoever's running this. Thank you. Mark will help. Okay, so Jesus is going to be crucified. Let's say that you knew the night, and don't worry about putting it up pretty. This is the last service. The night before you were to die, what would you do? You knew tomorrow you are going to die. I don't know. It's kind of a funny thing to think about. But it shows you right then what is the most important thing to you. If your mind went immediately to got to find the best restaurant in town. Food must be really important to you. Or 
I got to find my kids. Or I got to find my people. Or I've always wanted to see. Let's see, travel is really important. It really kind of drills down on what the most important thing is. Jesus, the night before he is to die, says, I want to be with my friends. And he shares a Passover meal with them. People that will betray him, and he knows it. Still loves them. People that will deny him, and he knows it. Still loves them. People that will fail him, and he knows it. Still loves them. He gathers them around a table, and he shares in this meal that we are going to share, and we call it communion. There's that word again. I want you to think of that as we, as the team can come up and we have some leaders that will help serve. Mark, can you do this one? Thank you. Kylie, you can just come up. We celebrate what's called open communion here at the church, and you don't have to be a member. You just uh, can, uh, to just come up, take the elements, and take them back to your seats, and we will share them together as a family. But let me pray for you. Lord, may we not believe the construct that we can do this alone. You have built within all of us a longing for community. And so, Jesus, this morning, we thank you. The night before you were to be crucified, you chose us, broken and failing people. Spend one last night with those who would follow you. Lord Jesus, may we find our people to not go through this life alone. May we find those we can trust, those who have gone before us. May we be honest. Lord, I ask for your grace and your presence within us and around us as we share this meal together. In your name we pray. Amen.